And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and Blake! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. If everyone stays healthy, th- this team could go really far. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Blake 10. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. If you haven't listened before, my name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. As always, we're a K-State sports podcast. I'm all things K-State sports. Cover the Big 12 as well, anything college football related. But, John, how are you? Doing a lot better than I was yesterday. My throat (laughs) was out of it. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling my voice is a lot more clear now. I'm ready. I'm re- I'm, re- I'm ready to get things going. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're feeling better, John, because, I mean, first of all, we're coming off a great appearance on Bosco's Boys Whip Around. Thanks so much to Scott for having us on. Really appreciate that. But we got a great show lined up for you today. Going to preview Tulane, go around to the non-rev sports and Wildcat headlines, go around the Big 12 and all the games that are coming up there, including some new Big 12 members, specifically a team in Provo looking to make a statement win against the Pac-12 team. And then we're going to uh, give our keys to victory as well as a score prediction for tomorrow's game against Tulane. And then we're also going to do some K-State sports trivia, John. That's right, baby. All right. Well, John, I told John before, but I have uh, made an intro for our, our K-State sports trivia. I'm really excited to see what you think of it. And, John, I'm not going to lie. We do this on the spot all the time. <laughs> I snuck in a conference realignment question into, into trivia, so you're done for. I, I, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll cross that. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Well, well I'm interested. I'll be interested to see what your response is to that. But before I get to that, make sure you're following us on Twitter at shakeandblake seven eight five. You can take some of our previous quizzes on sparkle.com and just look up K State Sports Trivia rounds one, two, three, or four. You can check any of those out. And we'll be back on Spotify with the Shake and Blake Show whenever you get your podcasts on Monday to recap this game against Tulane. Now, before we preview Tulane, let's just give a quick little injury update. The main ones really are just Will Honus and Sean Robinson, John. Um, Chris Kleiman said in his press conference that they're, quote, getting closer, so most likely not going to play this week. Um, I mean, it's still kind of up in the air. You're hoping they can get some playing time next week, John. I would say it would be, uh, for Hannes to say it might be up in the air for Oklahoma, but I lean towards possibly him playing as well. It, it's really up in the air for Sean Robinson, but I'm really hoping uh, he gets the go um, really to just get things all tighten up with his defense, just just adding more of uh, just adding more of a bolster. Yeah, especially when you've had you know I mean, great performances from a guy like Austin Moore and Nick Allen and Daniel Green. That's already three solid linebackers. Obviously, Khalid Duke making the uh, move over to outside linebacker. There's four solid linebackers right there. If you throw Will Honus and Sean Robinson into that rotation as well, and especially when you consider our defensive line and what we've seen from them from guys like Brandon Mott and Robert Hens, those guys, you know, besides your Felix and your DK Uzamas and your Nate Matlack, so you know are going to be great. They had a great game against Missouri. This is a really deep front seven that a lot of guys can get some quality reps. I mean, they had 10 tackles for loss against an overwhelmed Missouri, a Missouri offense, and the defense nearly kept their second straight opponent without a touchdown until uh, Missouri scored a garbage time touchdown with no time on the clock. Um, but in, but um, ultimately – you really like seeing where this defense is going. And ultimately, we had a few questions concerning whether it was the, the lack of depth. We've seen a lot of new faces on this squad as well, um, Getting especially when it comes to the likes of, um, say, Brandon Mott, uh, for an example. They, they, it's it's like a complete steel curtain. You, they're just it, – it's it's – it's more of a it's more of a bend this year rather than a break. They're, like they may move it up a few yards here and there, but ultimately K State's defense they're going to knock you out, grind you out, um, limit for run game, and they're going to just provide a lot of pressure towards the quarterback. And the Missouri game was without a doubt. Um, the perfect way to describe what happened. Yeah, I mean, this Tulane offense has got a heck of a challenge in front of it in this K-State defense. So let's start talking Tulane here. They're coached by Willie Fritz, who's in his seventh year 
Um, they went hey as a record of thirty three and forty three so far. Um, they've made their bowl games uh, their three previous years before twenty twenty one, and then had a really rough season, John, in twenty twenty one two and ten. And you they s- and they almost beat Oklahoma and Norman. Yeah, I mean that that talk about a statement when to start the year, but. Ultimately, it it was not it was not the best season for Willie Fritz, but he is he is one heck of a coach. Tulane before he came, they were kind of like the Vanderbilt, but even in a worse conference. Um, he's really he's really brought up his Tulane program to a um, to um, really a team that can compete at the at the highest level now. When you talk about like well Oklahoma last year, and we'll see how they do against K State this year. Um, you know, it was a complete effort for Tulane last Saturday. Uh, cruised to a uh, dominating win over Alcorn State. Uh, they had eight, 558 total yards in the game, while the defense held Alcorn State to 109. I know it's not really the biggest numbers considering it's Alcorn State. Um, and, and then you also bring in Michael Pratt, who went 17-21 for his career best, 318 yards, uh, including three touchdowns. So again, it, it's it's Alcorn State. Um, but we're going to learn a lot more about uh, Tulane, um, especially with, with their offense under Michael Pratt. Yeah, if you don't know, Tulane started out the season 2-0, and but they played UMass and Alcorn State, who, I mean, I watched the oh my f- first half of the Alcorn State game. I mean, they're no offense to Alcorn State, obviously, but they're just not at the level that Tulane is at. Ne- there was... Neither, neither is UMass. Yeah, I, it's, I was trying to watch the game to get an idea of what their defense is up to, but like they just could not stay. On, the, the offense could not stay on the field. They were just three and out every time, or throw a really stupid pick. It was just an utterly dominant game, and you really—I don't know how much you can really take from it. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with the offense a little bit. Um, you mentioned Michael Pratt, third-year starter for the Wave. Um, I know uh, somebody for uh, Fear the Wave. Uh, mentioned that he was playing through three injuries last year. So, I mean, you know. It takes, it was, it takes a lot of good. Yeah, it was right a tough there. season for him last year. Um, the thing you notice when you look at his stats from his uh, previous two years, his accuracy is not great, 55 and 57% respectively in his last two years. But uh, pretty good touchdown to interception ratio, 21 to 8 is pretty solid. I think you'll take that. Um, he's not a huge running quarterback, 1.9 yards per rush in his career. Um, he's got like 50-something yards so far this season. I'm not sure. You know, I haven't watched the film, to be fair, if it's scrambles or quarterback design runs. Yeah. But, I mean, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. He's, he, can de- he definitely has arm strength. He can sling it. Um, he, can, he can take a shot or two. I'll tell you that. He took a pretty solid shot against Alcorn State and bounced back pretty well, too. Well, I think, like you said, he's more of a, he's more of a guy that's not going to run the ball too much and he's going to throw in uh, – Look, looking at some of the players, they, um, for example, uh, some of the receivers such as Shea Wyatt, Jaquan Jackson, uh, uh, Jaquan Jackson, sorry, uh, they combined for nine catches for not 191 yards, uh, each each collecting a touchdown grab against Alcorn State. Um, you also had uh, D.D. McDoyle. Um, he added three catches for uh, 47 yards. He rushed for 16 in his first. Uh, in his first career touchdown, so you'll have to see a little bit of a freshman getting in some action, especially when it comes against some of these um, low-level teams, like kind of like K-State in South Dakota. You could switch in a lot of players, see if they can get opportunities, and you can go from there And what, in terms of how you want to set everything up before your next opponent. Yeah, Shea Wyatt is their leading receiver so far. And then running back-wise, you got Ty J. Spears and Iverson Celestine. So far, they're actually even in carries. They've split them so far. I don't know if this is going to be a game where see one guy kind of break out over the other. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else on the offense, John. I really just I don't have that much, to be honest. Well, I would say I would say the Green Wave they held they held uh I'm, oh sorry they had 558 yards uh, for the, for the total game against Alcorn State so I don't know if that's really just a, a, a signal on whether okay Michael Pratt he's he's pretty dang good um, maybe not towards like Power Five caliber good but again you were playing against Alcorn State I mean that's just not gonna tell a whole yeah. a whole narrative I'm I mean with all due respect. You're you're going to probably tell a lot from K State against South Dakota, and you are going to uh, get a lot from Tulane and uh, Alcorn State. Um, 
yeah, pr- that's pretty much what I got to say on offense. Just um, if you're able to limit the passing game, uh, K State should be in command when it comes uh, when it comes to defense. Yeah, you'd imagine we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage with what our defensive line brings to the table. They're going to have to air it out a lot, and that's when we can start, you know, bringing the house there. John, let me throw the most out of context stat you'll ever see in your life. Through two games, Tulane has given up an average of 33 pass yards <laughs> per, ga- per game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is just How? so absurd. <laughs> How was UMass not relegated to the FCS? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm in tears. Tu- that is all, that's my just goodness. so absurd. Um, Tulane, they... they um, I believe they only allowed just ten points in their two weeks, including this the shutout win over Al- over the uh, uh, shutout win over Alcorn State this week. I, I still can't go to the fact. Like, Is Alcorn even... State? Do you know they're are they the Braves? They're the Braves. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they allowed an average of just 115 yards on total offense two games thus far. Uh, safety Larry Brooks. He's been a standout thus, including six tackles against Alcorn State. The the defense has forced. Uh, uh, forced four interceptions on the season uh, by four different defensive backs as well. Uh, they also they also have four sacks on the season, eleven tackles for loss, and in the third quarter they have been they've been the most dominant in the third quarter. Which, uh, if you're wanting to put that into comparison, K State typically doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. Let's just say in the third quarter right now. So that that'd be one I that'd be one quarter to be a little bit concerned about. But um, for Tulane, uh, but for Tulane. The third quarter, they've been outscoring opponents 35-0, and part of that was a great defense. They know they really know how to uh, get back from a locker room, uh, kind of play some man-down defense. Yeah, that's definitely something we could learn. We've definitely had those that third quarter, the third quarter three and out syndrome for a few years now, at least. Um, all I got for the two-lane defense really is their leading tacklers, Larry Brooks, Dorian Williams, guys to watch for. They play a four-two-five defense. Usually have a uh, three down linemen, then one stand-up guy, which apparently is called a joker. I don't have the football knowledge to know exactly what that means, but it is what it is. Um, obviously, looks super dominant, but I mean, John, I you just you have to put context into these two games. Yeah, and- I, I mean, but the, 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 there's decent balance so far for. Um, uh, especially with a run defense, they're not allowing any big gashes. Uh, the pass defense hasn't given up too much as well. Um, but but like you said, the competition has a lot to do with it. Um, but, you know, allowing just 66 passing yards on, at a 36% completion rate in the first two games is good no matter what. And I think you also have to kind of put this out as well. K-State has the third worst passing offense in the nation right now, but they, des- but they haven't necessarily need to really really show their uh, uh, passing game spurts with Adrian Martinez at the moment, mainly because it's been the defense that's been locking down teams, and you also have uh, Deuce Vaughn. He'd just be Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn, just be Deuce Vaughn. That's right. I mean, do you have anything else on Tulane before we uh, take a quick break? Not necessarily. Okay, cool. Just just a good matchup between the uniforms. My oh yeah. Gosh. I mean, the, the baby, the baby blue, and the and the new alternates helmets for K State. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Let's let's save the thoughts on the uniforms. We'll cover that after we do a Wildcat headlines and around the Big Twelve and get to the keys to victory for the game. But I mean, you know, I mean, we see Tulane is two and ten last year. But this team is definitely a lot better than it was last year. I think they cleaned house in terms of their coordinators, things like that. Yeah. Um, so they got a whole new, whole new staff. I think it's a new look team. Although you know, you don't want to take every every game is super important. Obviously, mm-hmm. very very important. Well, with with that, I think we can go ahead and take a quick break. Again, Wildcat headlines covering soccer and volleyball, K State sports trivia, keys to victory, score prediction around the Big Twelve on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. John Wildcat headlines. Let's talk volleyball first, John. All After right. their two and one in the Rambler Challenge in Chi Town took on UMKC on Wednesday, Kansas and- City. They go by Kansas City. Now. Oh, they go by Kansas City now. Yeah, sorry. Hopefully, I don't get canceled for that. Can- Beat them three nothing. Cam Blake. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All the- how are we not giving the-, the boot yet? Oh gosh. 
gosh, what am I doing out here? Uh, they took the first two sets handily, John, 25-14, 25-13. Put up a little bit of a fight in the third set, had to go to extra points. Is that what you would call it? Yeah, extra okay. points, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, to go taking it 31-29 in the third set to take the entire match. 3 nothing. Elena Baca led the way with 10 kills. Continue to see great things from the Grease product. Shaylee Myers, again, having a good game with 8 kills. Sydney Boulding, 8 blocks, John. How about that? Really good defensive performance. UMKC's hitting percentage was .018. That is yep. not great. And, yeah, 15 total blocks. And, yeah, you, you said it. It held Kansas City to a point, uh, zero point, oh, dang it, point zero one eight. Uh, percentage team efficiency on Wednesday night. Uh, they're currently getting things started over in Houston right now with Rice. Uh, tied him a, tied at 15 apiece in the first set so far. All right. Uh, so we'll kind of keep track of that so far. Shaylee Myers leads the team with five kills. Uh, Elena Baca and Sydney Bolding both have one as well. So um, y'all, y'all, uh, I think Rice also has two service aces as well. So. Uh, this is a quality opponent that K-State's facing, and a, and, a, and a win over Rice could really bolster their NCAA tournament um, uh, chances, as, considering how um, considering how how qual uh, geez how good of a how good of a RPI type of boost Rice is. They're the number twenty-six team right now uh, in the top twenty-five, just receiving votes uh, yeah. on the outside. These are so. these are some super important games in Houston, John, because like you mentioned, you got Rice, who's going on right now as we're doing this. And then you play 17th-ranked Creighton, which is going to be a really big game as well. And then you get a little bit of time off. You open up conference play against against those those Hawks. Those dirty Jayhawks. Nuh-uh. Yeah, uh, Cats win 90 for real. <laughs> That's going to be a great, great day of sports. You got K State KU volleyball, and then you got K State OU football in prime time. That's going to be a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Let's go and get on to soccer, John. They had their uh, final non con game, I believe, against. Co- uh, no, it's the last home. Oh, I'm non-con Yeah, game. home non con yeah. game. Go up to Brookings to play South Dakota. But it was a really, really phenomenal performance from the soccer team. Soccer team, three to nothing, three goals in two minutes and fifty-eight seconds. The fastest three oh my goals gosh. in program history. My gosh, uh, I mean, it, it was just absolutely uh, insane. And I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily watch the game. I did take, I did take a look at some of the updates. But when I saw that, I was like th- three minutes and three goals. Like, oh my gosh. Um, but K-State broke open the match with three goals, uh, school record, two minutes and a 58-second span. They scored in the 17th minute uh, and two goals in the 20th minute. I mean, that, that's just absolutely incredible. Um, I believe a day – oh, man, I, I – it's, it's been a long week. But, um, ultimately, you love, seeing, you love seeing the offensive connections, especially when it, when it, especially when it comes to um, – Really threatening down uh, downfield um, against the Colorado State defense. You got Kyler Goins. Uh, she she played fantastic. You also got um, Bailey Nimichek as well, who scored a goal as well. Um, overall, just an impressive performance, and K State really shut down Colorado State defensively. I believe no shots on goal. Yes, no, no shots shot, on goal. A couple of them hit the post, um, but yeah, no shots on goal. Yeah, pretty pretty easy day if you are Elena Wormeyer, the goalkeeper for K State. I'll tell you what, John, that second goal was extra impressive. They got a free kick just outside the penalty box. They ran a really nice little free kick set that they'd obviously practice, where it's just a little layoff to Kyler Goins, shot around everybody just in that bottom right corner. Man. It was just a thing of beauty. They put Kyler Goins back in in the final 10 minutes to give her a shot at the first hat trick in K-State history, but she wasn't <laughs> able to come up with it, unfortunately. But, yeah, defense all around, just one of the best performances the soccer team has had this season. And probably ever. I mean, this is still yeah. a young program as well. So I look at this win over Colorado State. I mean, it's Colorado State, but – that's still a big win, regardless. Especially when you score three goals, and all of them in just two minutes and fifty-eight seconds. I yeah. mean, that is that is incredible. And we'll see how they do uh, on Sunday. I believe it's South Dakota State they're playing. South at. Dakota State, my apology. Yeah, Brookings is that where it is? That's yep. A, okay. I mean, South Dakota they're they're down in Vermilion. Okay. Right, right next to the Nebraska border. I mean, there's only like four cities in South Dakota anyway. So God, God bless Rapid City. Oh my gosh. <laughs> If anywhere in South Dakota you want to go to, you got to go to Rapid City. Oh, really? what's in Rapid City? Um, the Black Hills, 
Uh, but pretty much the gateway to the Black Hills. You also have Mount Rushmore over there. Oh, okay. Um, they have a lot of lot more stuff than I anticipated over there, but definitely a vacation spot. Definitely a vacation good spot. For, but good for uh, South Dakota State and South Dakota as a whole. You know, in general, good. It's better than North Dakota. All yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, John, you have a golf recap for us if you'd like to share. Well, I I I did I said this on the uh, Bo- Bosco's Boys monologue as well, but um, you know after making the NCAA tournament um, championship a year ago, uh, K State really um, really got things going. At, I believe uh, at their home at Colbert Hills, I believe was. Uh, yeah, fair, the Wildcat Invitational this year, uh, led by invitation, inv, inv, individual champion Cooper Schultz. Uh, K-State really closed out the season opener with another strong 18, to, 18 holes uh, to win the team's championship. And, you know, I think this golf team, it's, it's, it's a really great start, especially when you're when you're considering some of the places you're going to go to, some of the new areas are going to kind of adapt to as well. I believe they go to Winston-Salem. Uh, I believe you're in Winston Salem this week, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how the golf team does. Hopefully, um, hopefully, um, we could see a little bit more from them this year, and see where the where things go from there. Yeah, hopefully they give some good stuff for uh, the videographer for uh, K State Golf, Adam Schultz. Give him some good stuff to work. Give with. him the good stuff. Oh yeah. All right, John. Now we're done with Wildcat headlines. Let's go around the Big Twelve. Now it's not the as quite. X-I-I. It's not quite as interesting as last week, unfortunately. But let's run through these games real Still quick. Still got some really good games. Yeah, so. we don't have to go through each one, but um, you know, starting off in the new Big Twelve, Cincinnati playing Miami of Ohio at 11 a.m. ESPNU. Miami uh, of Ohio, right? Yes, Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Okay, yeah, C- Cincinnati rolls. Yeah, absolutely. Don't really have too much to say right now. All right, John, game of the century, (laughs) number six, Oklahoma, 11 a.m. on Fox, taking on Nebraska. Nebraska, Oklahoma are 11-point favorites. Nebraska. Is is Oklahoma on upset alert with with a little, Mm. you know, change of scenery Uh, up there in Lincoln? A little bit of a change of scenery for those dang Huskers. Um, I don't think so. I think it's going to be close. Uh, it's not like Oklahoma has gone totally conservative offensively yeah. under a new coaching staff, but it, they're not taking any chances either against the likes of UTEP at Kent State. It, it's not going to have to do anything th- in this too much either, especially if Nebraska continues uh, to, to um, completely screw things up like they did under Scott Frost. Uh, I think the offense will get going, but Nebraska's defense is just – Terrible. That's <laughs> such a bad defense. You get like you get five hundred five hundred plus yards to Georgia Southern, <laughs> the little small school in Statesboro, and Clay oh, Helton too. Oh my gosh! Uh, but I think Oklahoma gets this done pretty convincingly. I think Nebraska makes it close in the first two halves, but Oklahoma will pull away. Yeah, I totally agree there. All right, next up, another eleven a.m. FS1 Texas State Baylor. Baylor's favored by thirty. Okay. Baylor's Baylor. gonna smash. Yeah, Texas State there. Baylor be smashing. Yeah, Towson versus West Virginia. I think West Virginia is gonna be pretty eager to get a win. If so West, if West Virginia <laughs> loses, zero and three is their new country home. Oh country man, <laughs> we might have to kick up. They're gonna take him home. Yeah, send him back to the, <laughs> kick I'm, him out of the freaking Big Twelve. I'm, I mean, jeez. I'm, I'm saying we really, we really missed our opportunity on adding Louisville, and <laughs> because of that, now we're going to West Virginia of all places. Oh, oh man, I'm still not getting over that. But. All right, next up we got the Ohio Bobcats taking on Iowa State. Matt Campbell's finally beaten Iowa. Can finally, he- Iowa's eight, Iowa State is 18.5 point favorites against the Ohio Bobcats. Probably going Iowa State. I know Ohio yeah. in years past kind of contends with some of the Power Five squads, but uh, you know I think Iowa State just a little bit too too much firepower. I believe um, Xavier Hutchinson. He's gonna probably light things up as well as Will McDonald on that defensive line. I got Iowa State pretty big in that one. Oh yeah, no OU. Oh yeah, for unfortunately for Bobcats fans on that one. How about this game, John? Two thirty p.m. Oh, on Fox. Twelfth ranked BYU against Oregon. This, could, this is a big oh, game for BYU. It's, they, a, it's a big game for the new Big Twelve. Yeah, it's a really big one to prove that they are really the upper echelon of. To really prove that they're the upper echelon uh, compared to the Pac-12, um, just so they have a little more leverage. Um, 
Game is in Eugene. I think Oregon put up like 70-plus points against Eastern Washington. Good for them. <laughs> I know, good for them, that's for sure. Oh, man, I got to go BYU. I was I was impressed with how BYU played. I thought their defense uh, really surprised me. Re- they really rattled um, Blake, Blake Shapin last week. Um, I think they I mean, if they can if they can do that with Blake Shapin, they're going to do that with Bo Nix. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, or- Oregon's gonna be a tough atmosphere, no, no doubt about it. But I'm not seeing anything from Oregon that's like, oh my gosh, eye popping yeah. so far under Dan Lanning. I think BYU pulls it off on the road. Yeah, as, lo- as long as they can get their kicker to hit some field goals, I think yeah. Bo Nix will turn the ball over a couple times. BYU will capitalize. I, I like BYU. Yeah, absolutely. Me, me too. 3 p.m. ESPNU, John, is can- are the Kansas Boo. Jayhawks for real? Oh going gosh. to play Houston. Houston looking to get a win back after a double OT loss to Texas Tech. I saw, uh, I think Dylan Davis on Twitter mentioned, KU was 3-0 and all time against Houston. Can they make it 4-0? Oh my gosh. If, <laughs> if they go 3-0, and I mean. That would be crazy. I mean, you people would be saying, game day, oh. Duke and Kansas. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Um, can the Cougars finally control portions of the game? I yeah. mean, they created way too many problems for themselves. I mean, they with too many penalties. Uh, and they, and they, the offense, like, they got things going early, but they tend to struggle late in the contests at times. The defense has been solid against the run. Uh, and the Kansas game isn't really necessarily – um, the ultimate power play, like you see from some of the other teams, um, I don't think they're going to get over 330 yards like U- UTSA and Texas Tech did. Uh, plus, you you also get the home 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 advantage as well. Yeah. Um, but I will say this: this is not your normal Kansas anymore. I mean, <laughs> they they have made a statement in Morgantown. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. But I think Houston needs to needs to bounce back. If you if y'all lose to Kansas. It's just a complete utter embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, if KU great for Kansas, though, really, really to like not not being really the punching bag anymore in the Big Twelve and making things more competitive. Yeah, I mean, as well, there there are no freebies in the Big Twelve anymore. I mean, it's it's a tough conference. It's a tough conference. Yeah, if KU is going to win this game, it's got to be high scoring. Definitely, it, it they is. definitely have to run yeah. it up and go over that over of a fifty eight they have set for it. All right, six p.m. ESPN Plus. Arkansas Pine Bluff against eighth-ranked Oklahoma State. Pokes. You know, yeah, Oklahoma yeah, State's okay. gonna roll them. Uh, Seven p.m. on the Longhorn Network. Uh, UTSA Ooh. taking on Texas. Uh, I mean, I'd imagine Texas rolls, but I mean, they got their third-string quarterback, so anything can happen. Anything can happen. I wouldn't take UTSA for granted either. Yeah, I mean, they they came nearly close. Thir- three overtimes, I believe, to to just barely lose to Houston. Yeah. I think they beat Army as well. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, UTSA, I think they're one of the more underrated Power 5 teams. They did lose a lot from last year's squad. Um, we'll see how they, they're able to do against the, the flagship school of the UT system. Um, but I got to go with Texas. Espe- what? Oh, I was just going to say, let me t- I mean, they beat uh, Army 41-38 to in OT. Man, UTSA with their OT games, but uh, do they go to OT a third straight game? <laughs> but um, you, you know, I think Bajon Robinson's run game—that's going to yeah. be too much on UTSA's run defense. I got to go with the horns. Yeah, you can imagine Texas is just going to pound the rock and uh, let their pound that rock. Who, who is Texas's starting quarterback for this game? Dude, not, if, if it, it ain't if it ain't Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card, I got nothing. It's probably still some five star, so <laughs> some five star from you know D- DFW area or something. Anyway, we we can check that later. Um, the biggest game like in the actual Big Twelve uh, right now as we speak, six p.m. ESPN two Texas Tech after their big win against Houston, taking on sixteenth ranked NC State. Texas Tech looking to make a statement win. Showing that they're for real this, for Big Twelve contention. This would be huge for Texas Tech. If they're able to beat a North Carolina State team, excuse me, if they're <laughs> able to beat NC State, um, who's really been high on a lot of meat on the media this year, especially Big Game Boomer. Um, <laughs> but this, this is a big opportunity for Joey McGuire and company. Um, you beat you beat Houston already. 
previously top 25 team, was expected to be one of the best group of five teams, couldn't get it done in Lubbock. If you beat NC State, think of the atmosphere and how mo- and the four momentum Texas Tech is going to have when Texas comes calling to to Lubbock. Oh, that's going to be so electric. That'd be Man. that'd just be crazy. But um, I think Texas Tech will get its passing yards, but the running game won't do too much. I think North Carolina State. Um, I think the, I think there will just be enough pressure of a Wolfpack pressure to. Uh, there will just be enough Wolfpack pressure to throw off um, the timing. I think, and I think um, uh, Leary, I think one of the players from NC State, geez, I just completely screwed screwed that preview up. But <laughs> no, no uh, their defense is going to be pretty dang good, and I think that I think ultimately they're going to limit the run game. Yeah, I mean, not, and I think Texas Tech's uh, passing game a little bit overrated as well. Not, I haven't seen too much from their six, but I got to go for NC State. Yeah, I mean, NC State just barely squeaked by East Carolina. I know. And then they beat uh, some nobody, I think like 55-3 to three or something. Oh, no, so. they scored 70. They scored them. 70? I think they scored like 73 or something. Oh, my gosh. Well, Man, they wanted no. They're like <laughs> Alabama after a close game. <laughs> Nick Saban oh, wakes poor. him up the next day, and <laughs> next thing you know, he just, yeah. just takes him out. Let's take a moment of silence for Louisiana Monroe, who have to play Alabama this week oh, after geez. they barely beat Texas. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> bro, uh, just guess. you know, bro. I mean, at least they're gonna get the bag, though. I don't know how much money you get paid to play against Alabama, but they're getting the bag. So respect to them for that. Mm-hmm. John, let's cover some conference realignment news real quick. Oh, geez, oh dang it! This I knew I was missing one thing to look up on Twitter, but <laughs> um, so apparently there have been some discussions between ESPN and the Pac-12. Um, they're saying that that the Pac-12 and the ESPN they are millions. Uh, of dollars apart, and I think a lot of people looked at looked into this as first as an, oh geez, uh, ESPN's not going to pay for the Pac-12. Uh, I think it's more like the Pac-12. They're looking for any type of rev- any type of revenue uh, increase uh, just north of thirty million dollars, or any or even like twenty eight million dollars. And ESPN, they were just not um, not thinking the same thing um, with the Pac-12. Um, which ultimately now may lead to potential digital streaming. I've heard a lot of stuff, um, especially from the likes of Stuart Mandel, um, <laughs> Pac-12 Media. Um, but, <laughs> but um, they they could be more. They could be leaning more towards digital. Um, they they already saw and witnessed what Amazon provided um, with Thursday Night Football course for Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, don't want to talk about that, by the way. Um, <laughs> Um, so it's possible that the Pac-12 leans this way Um, and now you're going to be looking at from a Big 12 perspective uh, ESPN they might be pivoting from the Pac-12 towards the Big 12 but I I have a a feeling that they're going to try and keep things realistic um, towards the Big 12 expectations it's like all right, we're not going to give you a lot more than you than you anticipate. I mean, maybe if you let Texas and Oklahoma leave early, we could talk. We could touch on that real quickly yeah. afterwards. Um, but if we let you guys go early, maybe we'll give you like something in return. Maybe a little boost in the revenue. Um, I just don't see it that way right now. And even if you add some of the Pac-12 schools like Arizona, Colorado, Utah, that's going to further dilute their TV deal since you're going to be splicing uh, splitting it up with so many teams. Yeah. Um, since since none of them, well, maybe Utah in a way, but none of them really carry any weight. The only the only school that does that is Oregon, uh, because Oregon's one of the bigger national brands. Yeah. So that that's 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 the one thing I look at from the Pac-12 and the Big 12, like that the kind of a war standpoint, um, stuff like that. Um, and we also uh, just heard that um, the SEC they told Georgia and Tennessee to cancel Oklahoma's. Um, cancel Oklahoma's future series with them uh the 2023 game last year I mean this <laughs> ne- yeah next year ne- next year's game Oklahoma and Georgia that was previously scheduled it got booted um so Oklahoma they replaced it with SMU and um and and like like I said a lot of people are going to take take things um like like right out of the get-go it's like oh my gosh Oklahoma yeah. and Texas are leaving early so long big 12 <laughs> um but you're also going to be looking at it from 
you also got to be looking at it from a realistic perspective. Like maybe you can leave one year earlier, like 2024. Um, but they decided to cancel those uh, series mainly because they're going to be interfering with when uh, when Oklahoma joins the SEC in te- in Texas. And and if Oklahoma was was had to canvass Georgia and Tennessee series, um, like if they were if those two if OU, if OU and Texas were leaving early. Texas would have had to can their second game in Tuscaloosa against Alabama next season. So that hasn't been said around anything yet. Um, so we'll, we'll see how things kind of go from there. Um, just just chaos, man. I'm yeah. getting tired of it. I mean, I, just how I see it, I would imagine that unless something changes drastically or the Big 12 offers something to OU in Texas, they're going to stay out their contract and not pay that 80-some million dollars that they got to do to get out instead of just waiting it out a couple of years. And when it comes to the Pac-12 stuff, um, you mentioned having to split the TV rights deals you know, more ways. You'd imagine you'd wait at least until 2025 you know, when that Big 12 TV deal is done. You start renegotiating again before you start thinking about adding those other Pac-12 teams. And it's good. And and the re- and the reason why I would say more so the Big Twelve has more leverage, it's because of sus- sus- uh, sustainability and unify like overall, because we're already seeing from the Pac twelve that Oregon doesn't want to be in the conference. <laughs> we don't. Want- Washington doesn't want to be in the conference. That uh, kind of goes for a lux- lesser extent with Stanford as well. Um, so I would say ultimately, those are the main differences. Uh, and plus, the Pac-12 has just been so subpar in football lately. Um, but overall, like you're not seeing too many big differences that would lean fully one way compared to another. Yeah, and when it comes to the possibility of the Pac-12 going to digital streaming, obviously the way people are consuming content is changing ever drastically. But I'd imagine if Pac-12 games aren't getting on ESPN it's just real it's real tough and they're probably not going to be making as much money in terms of that sense they're not getting as much exposure and they're definitely going to get made fun of endlessly on twitter and and fox <laughs> and fox already said no like yeah. we're not going to do any more coverage with the pac12 and this is not necessarily anybody in the pac12's fault these days this was on larry scott the former commissioner he thought he was able to get a tv deal with espn and fox to create their own uh, tv network Instead, they just the Pac-12 just decided to kind of go their own way, and no, and everybody's finding yeah. having a hard time <laughs> trying to find where the Pac-12 network yeah. is. It's <laughs> just an absolute disaster. We can do what we want. We have USC and UCLA, two of the biggest markets in college football. We we're unstoppable. Look at us. <laughs> we got we got Stanford and Washington. We're we're the we're the almighty Ivy League of the West. Public <laughs> public school version. Although I do think Stanford and Cal do have some kind of like public school Ivy connection, but okay, I don't care. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but ultimately, it's more of the waiting game. We're just gonna see, have to see how everything pans out. I believe your mark, he's gonna have a meeting um, upcoming with uh, ESPN, kind of seeing how things will go from there. Um, I know he did cancel his uh, his visit toward UCF. Um, which might kind of run on joke is you lose to Louisville, you don't deserve to be in the conference. <laughs> That's why he canceled the visit. But yeah, um, uh, yeah just just a lot of, lot to see. But I got a lot of faith. I got a lot of faith in my man Brett Yormark. Yes. He's gonna he's a businessman. He's gonna do what he pleads. Absolutely. All right, Jen, we got like 15 minutes left, and we still got a ton of trivia and keys to the game score predictions. So let's go ahead and take a quick break here from Tanner's when we come back, give our keys to the game against Tulane, and do K-State sports trivia on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. I didn't have my earbuds. I mean, my, my <laughs> headphones in, so, yeah. Caught you off guard. All right, let's do keys to the game real quick, John. I want to make sure we have enough time for trivia. Um, I mean, I said it on Bosco's points. It's just about tying up loose ends here. I think I'd like to see just a little something from the passing game, just so we know it's there, just so Colin Klein doesn't have to roll his eyes every single time he gets a question about it. And, you know, Adrian Martinez, you know, he said in his press conference, he has the confidence in himself. He doesn't need to be validated by, you know, making these big throws. You know, he's a, an experienced guy, but I think it should be, as a fan, it'd be really nice to see him you know, throw a nice big shot in the purple and white. Well, things were looking pretty good early on against yeah. Missouri and the, and the um, all the other entities that, that that came in the second half with the rain delay and all that probably didn't make things so easy. Um, 
I, I would say for most part, the keys, I think you mentioned it during the monologue, um, kind of do what K-State does play. Play clean football, um, really rely on special teams, you to make one one big play, um, limit the penalties. I mean, you got you have got to limit those yeah. penalties. I mean, they just did not look good. I mean, that just did not set up very well against Missouri. Um, of course, keep providing rushing attack to, uh, to really uh, – Overwhelmed two lanes uh, run defense, of course. Deuce Vaughn, be Deuce Vaughn, uh, and you also got DJ Gittins there as well. I'm still hoping he could do something big there. Yeah. Um, and then, um, well, let, let me think. If you're able to limit the passing game for two lane, as as possible, you just really got to provide a lot of pressure on Michael Pratt and also some of the wide receivers as well, because because like you mentioned, they had a lot of. Uh, they had a lot of passing yards against Alcorn State and UMass. But, again, it was at Alcorn State and UMass. So kind of getting those guys locked down early on, provide a lot of pressure towards Michael Pratt, and it kind of, it kind of settles from there, especially with kind of how how mid the run offense yeah. is. I mean, we've seen Josh Hayes, Kobe Savage, Julius Brantz obviously make some big plays, especially those TFL blowing up those jet sweeps. Haven't heard a ton from Echo Boydo, but if you're a corner, that's kind of a good thing because you can just, you know, the ball's not being thrown your way, which means that you're obviously doing something right. So, I mean, I have faith in these corners. This defense as a whole is just absolutely phenomenal. This is something you don't want to take for granted. We we haven't had a defense like this in a long time that's mm-hmm. this talented. It's just absolutely this ex- crazy. This yeah. incredible loaded. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the offensive side, I'd like to see a little bit more rotation from our wide receivers. We've pretty much only seen Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, and they haven't done that much anyway. Obviously, you know, the passing game is the passing game. It's been talked about all the freaking time. But, I mean, we have Ole Miss transfer Jaden Jackson. RJ Garcia was super hyped up from fall camp. He's only gotten garbage time. Heard nothing from Jaden Jackson. Keenan Garber is a guy who got some playing time last year. Hasn't played at all or maybe a little bit in garbage time. It'd be cool to see a couple of those guys get into the mix just to get some reps and you know, just and, some quick passes or something. And even against some of these teams like South Dakota and Tulane, and even Missouri to a lesser extent, you had a, you you have a few opportunities to get some guys um, some more playing time. Really seeing how they adapt towards uh, either Adrian Martinez or Jake Rubley's uh, system. Um, so that that I also look into as well. Yeah, one of the big things I want to see from this game, John, zero sacks on Adrian Martinez. I think zero. that would be really great. Maybe it's a bit overambitious, but I'd love. We know the pa- the run blocking is just amazing. I think I'd like to see a little bit more from the pass pro. So I think zero sacks would be pr- amazing. That'd so. be pretty dang cool, especially especially if Martinez is able to re- uh, be a little more proactive and reactive. Yeah. All right, John, let's get a score prediction from you. Oh. K-State is two touchdown favorites, two at touchdown least on the ESPN. Favorites. There's wow. obviously a different sports books, whatever. What do you got? I'd say mostly for in terms of how I predicted this game, what, how will K-State's passing attack look like in the second half particularly? Um, but rushing attack, they have already proved to be too much against Tulane's defense. Um, and with the strongest O-line in Adrian Martinez's career – I think K-State ultimately boldly takes out Tulane's defensive line, uh, and ultimately this, this sets up for a pretty good win. I, um, not not really sure ultimately uh, how Michael Pratt's going to uh, going to control the pressure um, that K-State's defense is going to lie on him. Lie on him, um, man. I cannot talk. To <laughs> it's um, all good. But I got I got K-State winning winning in a pretty pretty solid fashion. Give me three touchdowns. Can it give me 35 to 14? I went 41 14. 41 so. 14. All right, cool. Those are the keys to the game. Let's see if we can speed through some K State sports trivia real quick. Woo! And now it's time to play everybody's favorite game K State Sports Trivia. Where I, Blake Crawford, challenge my co host, John Grove, to a series of K State Sports Trivia questions. Josh Freeman, like we've just mentioned, is the all time career passing yard leader at K State, but of all the non quarterbacks at K State, who has the most passing yards? I'm going to gamble. Go big or go home. Daniel Thomas is. Woo! Correct! Let's go! It's correct! Yes! John, it's so I'm out of here. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> oh my god. John, what would you what would you 
<laughs> it's a first trap. I, I well, wasn't. How how'd you get like the the echo like the oh, like the Ed's Kids Sports <laughs> trivia? Like that wasn't that was impressive. But that was the oh only good God. takeaway I got. From it. <laughs> I just rec- <laughs> recorded myself saying K State Sports trivia ten times, and I did it like in different like pitches. It's like um, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> it's like Bohemian Rhapsody where um, where you sang Galileo like so many yeah. times. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, that was. Do you have a rating out of ten? Uh, negative (laughs) out of ten. Oh, that that was my greatest creation. I've, I've got the best job. You tried way too hard. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Let's get to question one. (laughs) All right, what what year was K State's first bowl game appearance? Ooh. 1975, 1978, 1980, or 1980. First bowl appearance. Gonna go 82. 82 is correct. I believe Independence Bowl, Wisconsin. Yep, lost to Wisconsin. 14 to 3. Yep. All right, we got another bowl game question here for question two. These are all football questions, by the way, since we're in football season. What is K State's largest margin of victory in a bowl game? Oh, geez. We have the 1995 Holiday Bowl against Colorado State. The 97 Fiesta Bowl against Syracuse, the 93 Copper Bowl against Wyoming, or the re- most recent bowl against LSU. I believe the co- I mean the Copper Bowl, Wyoming 1993. That is correct. 52 to 17. It was the man, first oh, bowl man. game of the Snyder era, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Down in old Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. Wild, wild west. All right, we're cruising through these, Johns, for two for two. Let's go to question three. Can you, like, not jinx me? <laughs> I have to. All right, who has the school record for most career field goals? Most career Is field goals. Is it Jamie Ream, Martin Gramatica, Matthew McCrane, or my boy Blake Lynch. Oh, Most geez. career field goals. Jamie Ream, Martin Gramatica, Matthew McCrane, or Blake Lynch. And these are the top four, by the way. These are the top four. Yeah. I was going to say Gramatica. I'm gonna go with McMahon McCrane. Your man McCrane is correct. <laughs> this dude's on fire. Yeah, Martin Gramatica is second. Matthew McCrane is first. Blake Lynch is third. Jamie Ream is fourth. I thought Blake Lynch would be really up there. He. I mean, he had a... He's still third. Mm-hmm. All right, question four. This is somewhat related. Who is the all-time leading scorer at K-State? Is it A, Matthew McCrane, B, Colin Klein, C, Darren Sproles, or D, Martin Gramatica? Uh, no. If you're going to... I'll throw on some during question music if you're going to... Gonna go with Darren Sproles. Gonna go with Darren Sproles. Okay. That's probably wrong. I'm... That is indeed oh. wrong. He is, I believe, fourth. Martin Gramatica is actually the leading really? scorer. Yeah, My 349. Gosh. And then Colin Klein is second at 342. I mean, if you're able to kick beyond 55 yards, I mean, you can do anything. All right, John. Well, we heard it in our, uh, our this amazing intro that I made about an hour ago for K-State Sports Trivia. Throwing you a curveball here. We've done passing yards by non-quarterbacks. How about we do this? Of all the non-punters who've ever played at K-State, who has the most punting yards? J.J. Smith, Jonathan Beasley, Carl Straw, or Michael Bishop? Again, of all the non-punters at K-State, who has the most punting yards? Man, you really went in depth with this one. I just I just scroll around on College Football Reference and find the most random stuff can, ever. Can, can you give me some of the options again? JJ Smith, JJ Jonathan Beasley, Beasley, Carl Straw, Michael Bishop. Can I go Carl Straw? Can I go Carl Straw? It's an interesting choice, and it is the wrong choice, unfortunately. Um, he had one punt for 28 yards. Michael Bishop had three punts for 75 yards. So, My gosh. how about this for a stat? J.J. Um, Smith, one punt, 55 yards. What an absolute My animal. My gosh. Good for you, dude. Cannon. Yeah. What's he been doing? This? Okay. All right. So, question five. I think. I can't ever keep track of this. Anyway, KU has obviously beaten K-State 
or what am I saying? K-State has obviously beaten KU 13 times in a row, but what year during that run was the score the closest? Oh, I think I know it. Uh, 2009, 2018, nah. oh, 2017, 2013. Oh, dang it. You mentioned 2009. Now I'm flipping back and forth. So I know KU had the lead in the 2018 game, and when I believe, was it Thompson? I think Thompson scored the last touchdown. Yeah, it was Thompson or Delton. Oh. I was going to say 2018. I'm going to go 2009. Oh, that's such a shame. It is 2018. Blasphemy, man. 2009 was 17-10. to 10. 2018 was 21-17. Man. <laughs> All right, John. I had another thing planned, but this will be the last question because we'll, we probably could spend an hour just on this question alone. This is the, last, this is the conference realignment question. Oh, here we go. And I have posed to you. I'm a little scared about this, but here we go. 2010 through 2014 saw a lot of changes in the NCAA at all levels of conference realignment. You're doing that type of question. Okay. Specifically in the FBS, who was the only FBS conference to have no changes in their all-sport full-time memberships from 2010 to 2014? Do you, oh. do you want me to give you – I feel like if I give you multiple choice, you can – No, def- no, no. I think I got it. You let's got go, it? Let's go with the uh, – Go with the Mac. You dang it. That's correct. That's give, correct. I'll give you a little fun fact before we go off the air. Uh, you want to know what Conference Tulane used to be in? Before Conference USA? Oh, they were in the... The almighty SEC with the <laughs> likes of Georgia Tech and Sewanee. Oh, man. Yeah, so the Mac did have some change. UMass joined the Mac in 2013 as a football only, mm-hmm. but they left in 2015, so they weren't a full-time member. Um, the sucked. other, Yeah, the other options I had were the Mountain West, obviously TCU, BYU, Utah, six new schools. The WAC isn't even a football conference anymore. Boise State left. The Mountain West gutted the WAC. They got Boise State, Fresno State, yeah. Nevada, and Hawaii, San Jose State. All of those schools – Went went that way, and yeah. Idaho Idaho and New Mexico State got got uh, dropped to the FCS or something like that. Yeah, they the the when Boise State left, the WAC added five schools. Four of them backed out, and then five of the schools in the conference left. So there I, were only I two remem- schools left. I remember that. Um, like UTSA, they joined for one year, and then they no, they went to the uh, conference USA after that, and then you had um, yeah, just a lot of. The whack was just a, a god mess. Yeah, it was an absolute mess. Well, they, John, they, they had you. They had Kansas City in the conference. Yeah, they did. Point. That's right. They did. All right. Well, I'm going to get you on a conference realignment question. Bring one day, yeah. one of these yep. days. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. Well, this has been a pretty good episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts at ShakenBlake and Cats by Ninety. Cats by Ninety.